Isn't she lovely? For you guys who don't know, that's my wife. If you guys just start coming, you're like, he was putting eyes on that girl. <laughs> it's true, I was. <clears throat> it's true, I was. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I try to flex towards her just to get her attention. <laughs> that's right, that's right, I don't know. People made fun of when we first started dating. They said, she's taller than you. And I said, yeah, she's taller than me. And I said, that's the point. I'm 5'7". If I marry a girl who's a few inches taller than me, we have kids, then if they marry kid, women a few inches taller than them, two generations, grapers are six feet tall. <laughs> Chess, not checkers, my friends, okay? <laughs> this is 4D. We're, we're, we're multiple layers deep on this one. Hey, so um, last week we started up this new series. If you guys weren't here, I will get you caught up. Don't worry, but you could definitely go back. I would say, um, if you were here last week and you got to hear the message, how many of you would say the other people who missed it should go back and listen to it? Okay, good enough to, okay, awesome. So I think a lot of people were saying it definitely was a good kickoff of what this is. They do kind of build on each other, but I will catch you up if you weren't here last week, so don't worry. It's not like you're coming in in the middle of a movie. We're, We're starting this series called Stop. And it deals specifically with kind of this, this world of technology that we are in currently. Last week I revealed to you that I definitely have a technology problem. I know I do. I have a tendency towards addiction, towards it. I would use it far too early in the morning, far too late at night. I would immediately start filling in. Like I don't know, you guys have probably experienced this, where like I literally would walk into like a subway and there's one person in front of me who's ordering their sandwich, but I know I'm going to have to wait for 15 seconds so I pull out my phone and I start looking at something, right? It's like that one tiny little gap. I can't even pump a tank of gas without taking out my phone. It's like, really? Just, just chill for a second. But I, I always was doing that, always pulling out my phone, always looking at something else. And last week, I kind of threw to you and said, like, what about you guys? And a lot of you, you made me feel a lot better about my addiction, if I'm honest. I was like, oh, nice. We got some jacked up people in X church. I'm not doing so bad, maybe. I don't know. Um, but some of you admitted you kind of also have this, this addiction as well, that you're dealing with this. Um, and that's important because the, here's, here's what I think, and the reason why I think this is so important. We sit in an interesting moment in history, and it really is different. I know everyone thinks, oh, every generation has their thing. But, but really, all throughout human history up until where we are right now, okay, People were basically detached from the rest of the world around them the majority of the day. And then every once in a while, they would be kind of jacked back into communication, information. It might be when they would read the nightly news or when they would get together with their family. And then all of a sudden, just in the last 20 years, the Internet exploded across all of this cellular world. And now we carry little computers in our pockets and we are literally connected 24-7, 365 that we are connected instantly with everybody on our contact list. I can send tons of different people a message right now and see exactly what they're doing instantaneously. That there's so much content available that right now, if there's a down moment, I can pull out my phone and I can pull up almost anything in the world you could imagine. There's content to be watched. There's something to be listened to. There's something to be seen. There's these social networks where I can scroll through and I can hear about what's going on in other people's lives. And there is this flood of content. I think maybe some of you guys were shocked last week. I told you, you know, right now we are generating so much content as humanity that in the last two years we created as much content as the previous 5,000 years. It's insane. We are generating content at an astronomical level. And here's the deal. I'm not sure that we as humans are really ready for this. It's like a superpower that's been given to us, this much connection, this much information. And I think we're playing catch-up of understanding how to use it and to use it 
well. So last week I did this, and I would do it again this week to start. How many of you smartphone users, dig out your smartphones for me. Go ahead, get them out of your pockets. Get them out of your purses if you have them. Pull them out for a second, okay? And I kind of ripped on the, uh, the non-iPhone users last week, and they let me know about it. They talked to me. Um, no, they actually were pretty kind. Uh, but I was talking to you about screen time, and some of them actually told me they went and they downloaded applications to be able to check it. Here's why I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to do this with me. I think it's important that you know how much time you spend on your phone. So I'm going to do this. If you weren't here last week, you can walk through it for the first time. If you're here last week, you can do it again. I'm going to take you through specifically on the iPhone. If you're not an iPhone user, I guess that you like to make your life harder than it needs to be. So you've, you can figure... <laughs> I had to get something in there. I don't know. Hey, if you're an iPhone user, it's really easy. Grab your iPhone. Go ahead and click on that gray square that has a circle in it called settings. If you guys can find it, you probably have it buried on a back page somewhere, right? And in settings, if you scroll down just a little bit, there's an area that says notifications, sound and haptics, do not disturb, and screen time. And I want you to click on screen time. Now, if you don't have screen time set up, it's going to say, would you like to? And I'm going to encourage you, would you please sign up for screen time? Do it right now for these next few weeks so that you could find out what you are spending time on on your phone. Now, if you click that and you do have screen time set up, it's going to show your phone's name at the top and how much time you spent on it. Click on your phone's name and it's going to go one page deeper and it's going to give you a today, last seven days split. And I want you to click on the last seven days at the top right corner and it's going to show you your usage for those last seven days. How many are iPhone users? You follow me through and you are at the place that I am. Raise up your iPhones if it's you. Go ahead. Raise them up. Raise them up. Awesome. All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to compare real quick. I want to say, I'm actually down from last week. This is exciting. Okay, in the last week, I averaged one hour and 43 minutes a day on my phone. Do me a favor. Hold up your iPhones if you spent more than that much time on your iPhone this last week. Okay, keep them up for a second. If you spent more than three hours, if you spent more than four hours, If you spent more than five hours, okay, that's enough. Go ahead and put them down. We're not going to go any deeper than that. The average person spends about four hours a day, they say right now, on their devices. Pretty amazing to think about that. That's pretty average. Do me a favor, before you shut that out, before you close out of that, scroll down a little bit, and there's a thing that says pickups, and that's how many times you pick up and unlock your phone in a day. I am averaging 40 pickups a day, okay? If you're an iPhone user, you're on that same thing. Or if you're using some other device and you're connecting with us, you have the same basic stats. Would you do me a favor? Would you hold up your phones if you have more than 40 pickups a day? More than 50? More than 60? More than 70? More than 80? Okay, that's enough still again. The average average person, they say, picks up their phone 80 times a day. 80 times a day. For reference... That's somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes is all the longer that it goes between us picking up our phones every single day. Now, as I said last week, I am not saying technology is the problem. I'm not saying we need to give up on technology. I'm not saying we need to, we need to banish ourselves from this and we need to keep ourselves away from technology. That's not the case. I'm not saying technology is the enemy yet. Probably about six more years and the robot wars are going to start. At that time, they will be the enemy, and I hope you have guns and ammo, okay, like I do. Because the robot wars are coming, Skynet will become active, and we're going to have to battle. It's coming. Google is Skynet, just for your reference if you were wondering. Okay, that being said, right now, I think, I think we got five or six years left. So right now, I guess they're not their enemy. But anyways... I'm not saying it's the enemy. What I'm saying is, is how we use it could be detrimental. And here's what I mean. I love using my technology to be able to increase my productivity. I love to use technology to be able to learn new things, to educate myself on new areas in, in, in the world. 
I love to use technology to entertain myself every so often. There's great entertainment that I can bring in my life through this technology. But what this series is specifically about is that throughout our day, I think we have a tendency to push into technology in these tiny little moments. And what I mean is, as we go through our day, we have moments where we step from one thing to the next thing, and in between those things are this tiny little pause between two things. It could be the moment we stand in line uh, waiting to order our sandwich. It could be that moment where we're letting the gas tank fill on our car. It could be that five-minute drive from where we are to where we're going. There's these pauses in our day in which we kind of find ourselves in this, in this moment. And what we've taken to as humanity is we have this tendency to immediately pull out our technology and to fill that moment with content, to fill it with content from technology, to scroll through an application, to watch a video, to, to listen to a podcast, to put something on instantly in between it. And my contention is this. I don't know if we were meant to have wall-to-wall content in our day. I don't know if we were really designed to have that be the case in our lives. This is my thought. I wonder if God put the pauses on purpose. I wonder if the pauses that come in our lives, these little moments, aren't something negative that we need to fill, and instead these little pauses are actually on purpose. And this, that there is surprising potential in unoccupied moments. That there's surprising potential in these little unoccupied moments between stuff, that we don't need to fill them with content immediately because there's potential inside of them. Last week I talked to you guys about just the idea of stopping, of noticing when you go to fill that little gap with your technology, with your phone, and encourage you, would you please pull out that phone and then stop? How many of you tried it this last week? You noticed it. You did it, okay? Yeah, and it's crazy how often you go to drag your phone out and you're like, okay, whoa, put it back in your pocket, right, in all those moments. So if we work on the stop, and that's important that you do that because you can't get to the rest of what we're talking about unless you understand the stop. But once we get past the stop, then what could happen in these unoccupied times? We talked a little bit last week about rest, about Sabbath, and I believe that's true. But then I also believe that there's things that we can do in that unoccupied moment if we don't fill it with technology. And that's what we're going to talk about this week and the next two weeks. We're going to get very practical in these three weeks. And I believe that if we push towards these things, it could bring a whole different pace, a whole different success, a whole different theme in your life as we go from here. So we come up to this moment. We hit a pause, right? We go to pull out our technology, we stop, put it away, and we think, well, what do I do now while that old person stands in front of me in the checkout lane? And they don't use debit. They're going to pull out, like, a checkbook, yeah. And then they're going to comment that there's cats on their check. And then, what do I do, right? What do I do? Well, I wonder if the pause is an opportunity for us to think. An opportunity for us to think. Yeah, think, you know, like with your brain. Some of you are like, this isn't that deep, Cameron. I know. I know. But I wonder if it's an opportunity for us to think. Did you know that God blessed you with an astounding brain? I mean, insane. Like, neuroscientists study and study and study because the brain is so miraculously awesome that we have in our heads. It has 86 billion neurons in it. Just for reference, you don't know what 86 billion is. It's half the total number of stars in the entire galaxy. 
That's how many neurons you have packed into your brain. And what's really amazing is even animals with bigger brains like elephants who technically have more neurons than us, they say uh, humans are amazing because the neurons congregate in the prefrontal cortex where we're able to think these thoughts that are just, it's, it's astounding what we're able to do in our minds. Did you realize that our brain is actually supposed to be part of our faith? I know some people can start kind of exploring their faith and think this is all like a spiritual thing, right? This is all like a heart thing. This is all like a, a feelings thing. But did you realize that actually our mind is supposed to be engaged in our faith? Jesus actually said this when he talked about kind of the greatest commandment when he was referencing it in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. We go, of course, right? With all your soul. You go, that makes sense. And with all your mind. He says, your brain is part of this too. Your faith isn't just feelings. Your faith isn't just a spiritual thing. It's actually a mind thing as well, that your brain is supposed to connect to your faith as well. So what should we think about in these these moments? I have the thought that content and technology is beginning to make us underthink our life. I understand some people are overthinkers, but I think that the amount of technology that we have in our life, the amount of content that we have available to us, I think it's chasing humanity towards a point in which we are underthinking our life now. Where humanity used to have these periods of time where they would think. And I think a lot of times now we're just engaging and eating and taking in and hearing all of this content every moment and not actually taking time to think. Thinking is powerful. If we stopped in these moments and we just engaged our mind and we think for a second... What could come up could be amazing. We could think back. We could think back. And I don't mean that you have to go all the way back to like your childhood and like rehash like the first time your friend hurt your feelings and like what. Maybe you do. Maybe you should sit down with somebody and talk about that. If that's still, that's fine. I'm not saying that's that's great. That's not what I'm talking about here. I just mean just think back. Just like one step. Wherever we find ourselves in a pause, we could stop for a minute and we could engage our minds. And what I mean is, where we sit currently, we can think, how did I get here? Whatever the position you're in in life, whatever the place you're in that day, whatever your mood is at that current moment, that you could evaluate where you currently sit, and then you can think back and think, how did I get here today? I'll give you a picture of this. You go, you got to run in, you got to get gas, or you, know, you got to go grab a cup of coffee from somewhere, and you're standing in line for a minute at the checkout, and you think for a second, instead of pulling out your technology about where you're at, and you realize, I'm really annoyed today. Like, I'm really, I'm mad right now. I'm grumpy. And you think, well, why am I grumpy? I'm grumpy because I got into a fight with my spouse this morning. Why did I get into a fight with my spouse? Well, I did that same thing that they've been telling me not to do a hundred times over the last few years, Right? That same thing that just, it grates them, and I did it again. I did it again this morning. And you think, well, that's annoying, and they should get over it, right? But then you think, but really, the reason why I'm angry is because I blew up. Because they said something, and instead of me just hearing it, I blew up, I raised my voice, I caused a fight, and then I walked out. And now I'm walking through my entire day with this this anger. And then you can sit there and go, I don't want to feel like this throughout my entire day. And you think, maybe it's worth controlling my temper. Maybe it's worth being more objective in these moments because I don't want to feel this way as I go through my day. Well, that's just a really small little picture of this. But, but here's what I've started to notice. 
I often talk to people because of, you know, being a pastor and being in this idea of trying to help people with their spiritual journeys. I talk to people in moments in which when they evaluate their current situation, they don't like where they are. Relationship, um, you know, their mood, uh, the current situation of their life, their career, whatever the situation is, they don't like where they are. And then when I ask them, well, why do you find yourself here? I notice a tremendous amount of people have no clue. They have no clue why they are in the situation they are in. And I think, well, that's impossible because there's a reason why you are where you are. But I'm wondering if our current pace and our current technology is never giving us these moments where we pause and think back for a moment and actually question, how did we get to here? How did we get to here? What did we do that took us to this place where maybe all of a sudden we go, I don't even like where I'm at right now. Don't like my current situation. But you don't recognize it if you don't step back and then go, but what am I doing that took me to this place once again? There are clear things. When these people who I talk to go, I, I don't know why my situation is as bad as it is, I often just start asking them questions. And they start talking, and they go, and then this happened, this. And I go, okay, well, I just identified six reasons why you're in the current situation you're in. When you just started talking about, maybe you didn't realize, you talked about all the things that happened that led you to this place. I believe there are lessons there are lessons in our day that we are supposed to learn, through, learn from, but we can't learn from them if we don't think back. We can't identify where we currently are and think back and learn from them unless we're, we're doing that, that work. In fact, I love in, uh, in Corinthians, Paul wrote this, this messed up church that he had, and in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, he says this. He says, think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. What's interesting is that first connection. He says, think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. I think those two things are connected. What he's saying is, I know some of you would love to stop these things that are taking your lives in the wrong direction. Here's how you get there. Think carefully about what's right. Well, then how would that affect it? It's because we think carefully about what's right and we lay our own life up against it. We realize I'm not doing the right things. The reason why I'm in the current situation I'm in is because I'm not actually doing the right things. The same thing is applicable to our faith. In the very next slide that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he talked about even just in our faith journey that we're going through, if we find ourselves in a situation where we don't like where we are in faith, this is kind of the, the deal that we step through. 2 Corinthians 13.5, he says, examine yourselves and see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you, and if not, you've failed the test of genuine faith. He says, you're supposed to evaluate the situation you currently find yourself in. You're supposed to think through where you're at in your faith and ask, am I where I want to be or am I making decisions that are taking me where I do not want to be? And listen, I know there are people who would say, oh, but there's, there's unseen circumstances and there's this and there's this. And listen, I get there are people who crazy situations happen to them that take them into crazy circumstances where they are kind of a victim of that thing. But, but can we please just be real for a moment? 99.9% .9 of us, the reason why we are in a situation that we don't like is because we did stupid. That's usually the reason. I mean, I get there are some, there's some situation, and you've maybe met, where it's like, well, no one could see this coming, and a bad situation happened, and I get that happens in the rare circumstance, but if we're real throughout our life, 9 out of 10, 99 out of 100 situations we find ourselves in, when we evaluate, why are we here, we realize, I did stupid. That's why I'm here. 
I did dumb things that I knew were dumb, now looking back. But my concern is that we could walk into situations and we could just keep rolling through because we're filling every gap where we're not actually evaluating where we are and realizing the last three things we did were dumb and we can just keep walking into that stupidity. You know, sometimes I talk to people where it's like they, they end up breaking up with somebody who they've been dating, right? You know, I've been dating them for like three years and then, you know, we broke up. And I was like, three years? Bruh, three months, right? Like, if you didn't know, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. Three years? Man, you should be reevaluating. There should have been something that told you this wasn't going to work out, man, or you weren't putting enough energy into it, right? There's something crazy going on there. Oftentimes, I think it's because we're, we're doing that the dumb, th- dumb stuff, but then we're not stopping and, and thinking back. We can also think forward. We can think forward. And this is really cool. Not necessarily that we need to think about, like, the farthest long-run goal we have, but we can just think about what's coming next, and this is extremely powerful. What if this, this pause that we have is actually an opportunity for us to, to think forward about that, that next thing? Usually these pauses happen before we're stepping into a different environment, before we're going to do something different. We're, we're going to work. We're going to school. We're heading home. We're going to our family's house. We're, we're going to a meeting, whatever the situation is, and we're going into a new environment. What if this pause was an opportunity for us to prepare for the next thing we're walking into? What if instead of walking into work and then kind of gearing up for it, what if instead of walking into school and then getting our minds on board for it, what if instead of walking into our house and then kind of getting into that mode, what if the pause was an opportunity for us to prepare? to have our minds in the right place so that when we walk into our house, when we walk into our workplace, we already have our minds in that location ready and prepared. I love what 1 Peter 1, 13, the beginning half of this verse says. Here's what Peter says. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. He says there is action coming, right? And he says I need you to prepare your minds for that action and exercise self-control. And I wonder if those aren't two different things. I wonder if those are two things in the same direction. He says, if you prepare your mind for action, guess what? You're going to be able to exercise self-control. You just walk into a situation and you just start reacting to it. It's very possible that you're going to react in a way that you don't want to. You're just going to jump back on it. You're going to fire back on it. You're going to be shocked by it. You're going to be surprised by it. But he says if you thought forward, if you, if you put your mind ready for that action, perhaps you'd walk into a situation and when someone throws something actually at you, you already prepared for it. You already prepared for the fact of that person annoying you when you walked into work. You already prepared for the boss saying that to you. You already prepared for your teacher or that person next to you to have terrible breath. You already prepared for all that stuff like this. And you walk into it, and all of a sudden, you are able to exercise self-control. And they're like, man, this person seems like they got it together. And you're like, I've already been here for an hour, bruh. I've already been here, right? I've already been here in my mind. My mind is prepared for action, and I have the opportunity for self-control. Think about it this way. If you were to walk into work, if you were to walk into school, into class every day, and you had already prepared your mind in the pause, think about how far ahead you could be from everyone else who's showing up. Everyone else is showing up and trying to get in gear, and you walk in and you've already been in this meeting for five minutes. It's already been in your mind, and you walk in and you already know what the situation is. You walk into that meeting and you've already been there. You walk into class, you already have your mind engaged when the class starts. 
And you are miles ahead of everybody else who's just trying to get their mind going in that moment. What if the pause is this opportunity to prepare? You know, the other thing with thinking forward that's really cool is whatever we're living in currently, whatever we're going through currently, we are making decisions and we are making judgment calls every single day. We're walking out paths, we're walking out things in our life, and that's Really, really important because very often little tiny things we do consistently throughout our life end up being big things later on. And what I'm talking about is when we're in this moment and we have these pauses, we can think forward and we can actually estimate where we're going from the decisions that we're making. I think because of technology, people are underthinking their life. I think they're walking into decisions that they have not given enough time thinking about. They're so busy filling their time with content, so busy filling their time with information. And then they're making decisions about their life, about their family, about what they're going to value, and they've spent only a fraction of a minute considering it. How foolish. Did you know that our God gave you like this miraculous ability? I mean, I mean miraculous, for real. The idea that you're able to do this is unlike anything else, and here's what it is. Our brains are so powerful, so powerful that what we can do is our thoughts can generate little versions of ourselves in our brain. And then we can place those little versions of ourselves at a decision that we're currently trying to make. And then we can make that little version of ourselves make a decision and follow down that path. And then all of a sudden we see what happens in our mind. We realize, okay, that path that path leads towards me getting fired from my job. We take back and we, we kill that little version of ourselves, and we, we spawn a new little version of ourselves back and we bring it down a different path. Or we, we come to another path in our life, maybe something with our relationships, and we spawn this little version of ourselves, and we let it walk down this path and we see what this is and then we realize, oh, and that version of myself would end up divorced and, and not being able to spend time with my kids. We kill that little version of ourselves and we, we spawn a new little one back at that decision and we, we work it through. And we can do all of these things in our mind in which we can generate these paths and these little thought versions of ourselves and walk them down the path until we find the one that walks down the path that we go, that's what I was looking for. And then we can then take that idea and implement it in our reality currently. Friends, this is an astounding ability that God gave you. An astounding ability. Dr. Jordan Peterson, he's a psychiatrist, he actually said, it's amazing, our thoughts die so we don't have to. How insane is that, that we have that ability? But are we using that opportunity? Are we walking out those paths and thinking about it? I can tell you you didn't. Thousands of years ago, a whole book was written in the Old Testament called Lamentations. And it was all about the people of God turning their back on God. And most of you were like, I've never touched Lamentations. I have no clue where it's at. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you find it, okay? But God is speaking to these people who turn their back on him. He's talking about Jerusalem, which is like the center of his people. And listen what he says in Lamentations 1, 8 through 9. He says, Jerusalem has sinned greatly, so she has been tossed away like a filthy rag. All who once honored her now despise her, for they've seen her stripped naked and humiliated. All she can do is groan and hide her face. She defiled herself with immorality and gave no thought to her future. Now she lies in the gutter with no one to lift her out. Lord, see my misery, she cries. The enemy has triumphed. Says she defiled herself with immorality. She gave no thought to her future. He said the reason why my people failed was because they didn't take themselves down the path. 
They were making decisions about their life. They were making value judgments about what they cared about, but they didn't stop and think about how it was going to affect their future. If they did, they would have realized it was taking them towards a direction they didn't want to go, and they would have stopped. And listen, I wonder if so many of us are just making decisions every day and we're just so busy filling our moments with content that we aren't actually stopping and thinking for a minute about what are we valuing today? What are we deciding on today? What are we pursuing today? And are those things leading us to where we want to be? Technology may be causing you to underthink your life. You can think back, you can think forward. And the other thing that I think you can do is you can think better. You can think better. I know there's great content online. There's so much stuff. There's so much information. It's, it's astounding what's there. But if we're honest, right, probably 90% or more of what we look at on our phones is completely trivial, isn't it? I mean, really, like, when you hop on Facebook, I mean, is it just me or are, like, 99 out of the 100 posts that you look at just, like, I didn't need to see any of this. Anybody? Are you willing to just admit? Yeah, you're like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You read one thing, maybe that's interesting, but like 99% of it isn't. Or there's so much content that we can, we can watch, but so much of it is trivial. Listen, I have seen every fail video that's ever existed. I know exactly what it sounds and looks like when a man racks himself on a handrail when he's trying to skate. I can tell you exactly. I've seen them all. I've seen them all, Okay. It hasn't taught me that much, though, if I'm honest. It's pretty trivial. It's funny at the time, and you're like, ah, that's, that's painful and terrible, and guys like that for some reason. But, but, but what, does it really, what does it really mean? Listen, but there are really, really important things that God has put in your life. There are really, really valuable things. Here's what I would call them. I would call them better things. There are better things that God has put in your life. Things like your calling, your career, something that you're passionate about, something that you've learned and something that you've studied towards and something that you've, you've pushed yourself towards. Something like your relationships, your, your friendships. Something like your family. Could be that you're in a family. Could be that God has blessed you with a spouse. Could be that then he's giving you kids and now you're helping lead a family. It could be your faith, the journey that you're on and figuring out your faith. He has actually given you things that are valuable, things that I would call the better things. You know how I know that they're better and that they're more important? Here's how you can test. They kind of feel like responsibilities. Because when something is extremely meaningful, it's weighty. Which means when you're carrying it, it kind of feels like a little bit of weight on your shoulders. And that's how you know it's actually important. The reason why you know your family is actually important is because it concerns you. It feels like a weight on your shoulders a little bit. This is a responsibility. That's a sense of the fact that God has given you. This is a better thing. This is an important thing. You can feel it actually means something to you. Whatever that calling is, maybe your faith, you actually feel a responsibility towards it, a little bit of weight on you, and that's that evidence. This is a meaningful, important, better thing. I understand there's lots of great content, but what if instead we could engage our minds and we could put our minds on these better things? And then this is really cool. If we put our minds on these better things, what if we could make them even better? What if instead of going down the road of just watching another thing, scrolling through another thing, we could place our mind on these better things and then we could think, how could we make them even better? 
Maybe the reason why in our lives, in these better areas, these important areas, these responsibility-filled areas, you sometimes feel as though you're not accomplishing anything important in them. I feel like I'm making no motion forward. I feel like I'm taking no ground. Maybe the reason why you're not accomplishing anything important is because you are accomplishing tons of things that are unimportant. You're spending plenty of time watching trivial things, thinking about trivial things, and you're not engaging your mind on things that are actually important. The technology immediately jumps in, and it steals an opportunity. And I know this is how it's supposed to be. Paul actually talked about how our minds are supposed to be working on these better things. He talked about it one time when they were asking about getting married. And he said, it's great that you want to know about getting married. He says, here's the deal. To be honest with you, I'd be happy if none of you guys got married and you could just 100% focus on the gospel. That's great. If you don't get married, you are not some sort of second-class citizen who didn't succeed. You can actually focus your energy on the gospel and on spreading the good news even more. But he says, it's not that it's sinful to get married. Let me just draw this dichotomy for you. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 32. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. He says, marriage is great, but marriage is one of these better things that's a responsibility. And if you're going to walk into marriage, listen, you're supposed to be thinking about how to make it better. Did you know if you were married that you were actually supposed to be thinking about how to serve your spouse all the time? Some of us were like, I thought that was the finish. We got married. We're done, right? I got her, right? And you're like... No, no, no. He actually says, did you know that if you're married, if God's given you a spouse, your time is going to be divided. And he actually says, that's right. A lot of your mental energy is supposed to be actually going to thinking on that better thing, that spouse that God gave you, and thinking, how can I make their life even better? How can I serve them so that they love Jesus more? How can I serve them so that our marriage is even stronger? You know, the writer of Hebrews, he even kind of takes us a step farther, even just in regards to relationships in general, not just the idea of like husband and wife, that he just basically says, if you're friends with people, if you're in a church with people, he says this in Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. He says, if God has blessed you with friendship, as God has blessed you with a community, if God has blessed you with a church, You're actually meant to engage your mind and think about, consider these responsibilities that you have to your friends, to the people who are around you. How can I encourage them to be even better? How can I encourage them to be generous with their time and their money and their energy? How can I encourage their faith to love Jesus more, to serve their community more, to be more engaged in their world? He says this is supposed to take some of our mental energy as we go through our life. It's putting your thoughts on these better things instead of being distracted in that moment. And it can be simple. It can be simple. You have that pause, and you think about a better thing. You think, instead of watching that, instead of listening to that, I'm going to think about my kids. Man, that's a better thing. If you have kids, I know you feel that responsibility. And you think about who your kids are and the blessing that they are. And maybe you think about where one of them is right now, that maybe they need a little bit more time. Maybe they're struggling in a situation. Maybe you haven't got to spend a lot of time with them. 
And you think, how can I make a plan to be able to spend some extra time with them? What could I do? Maybe I could ask my wife or my husband to take them for a second. Maybe I could ask grandma or grandma to hang out with one of the other ones because I want to spend some time with them. And all of a sudden, you've thought of a better thing, and then you've thought of a way to make that better thing even better. It could be the situation with even just your calling or your career. A lot of you, God has made you passionate about the gifts that he's given in your life towards what you're putting your time in, in your job or whatever calling you have. And instead of just kind of walking through and filling all those gaps with another moment of technology, maybe you stop for a minute and you think about where you're at in, in, your, in your career. And you think about, what is it that I could do to make myself even more capable in this area? Is there something that I could learn? Is there something that I could bring into myself that I would understand more, that I would be even more capable at this? Some of you are leaders. You have teams. You have people. And you think, how could I make our team just 5% better? Not completely different, but what could I do to be able to share this where I could make us better at what we're doing so we would be even more successful in what our calling is? Here's what I think. I think a lot of you have a lot better ideas than you think you do. I think a lot of you think you're not that creative, you're not that smart. I wonder if a lot of you have a lot of very, very intelligent, smart ideas but you never even take time to think them because you're too busy reading another post, watching another video, listening to another song. What if you have great ideas? What if you have amazing ideas for your family? What if you have awesome ideas for your faith? What if you have awesome ideas for your community, for your friends? What if you have amazing, astonishing ideas for your career and what you're doing? But you never even take the time to just engage your mind and think about where you currently are and these better things. What if God's giving you these pauses so you can think about it for a moment? I know that I have a tendency immediately. Hit the pause, go for technology, try to fill it in. But friends, what if those pauses are on purpose? What if one of the things that God is giving us these pauses for is just for us to think for a little bit? to let our minds walk through these things, to think back, to think forward, to think about better. I thought about it this way. You're going to hit these pauses in your day, right? And you're going to immediately go for your phone. But what if instead of letting someone else, right, all those people on Facebook, that person, that creator on YouTube, those people who put something up on Pinterest, um, that person who created a song, what if instead of letting them decide what you're going to think about for that five minutes, you decided What if instead of them deciding what you're going to think about, you just paused and you said, I'm going to just think for a few minutes about what I need to think about. What could happen if we started to do that in those moments? I I firmly believe, I think some of us, we are starting to underthink our life. And if we would engage our mind a little more, there is no telling what kind of success could come forward from that. But it's all about us to work on the stop and then to be able to engage our mind. Would you try it? Would you take a step and just see what it could do for a week, for a month? See what it could accomplish in your life? Pray with me. God, I'm so thankful for this opportunity that we have to be together, and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the fact that I believe that you've given creativity, you've given thought to all of us, and you've given great ideas, Lord, to so many of us. I ask that we would not get lost in technology that we would have these pauses and that we would use them to accomplish something maybe even greater than that content could provide in that moment. 
I ask Jesus Christ you'd encourage us, you'd remind us by your Holy Spirit of this teaching as we go throughout this week. And Lord, I pray that if anyone here, as they were thinking back, maybe even in this service, they were thinking back and they were thinking forward, and they realized that they haven't trusted their lives to you, Jesus Christ, that they would just take that step of faith, even right now, that they would whisper a simple prayer in their mind or under their breath, and they would say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins that are behind me. Lord, please come into my life and make you the king of my life. I want to walk forward with you. And as they do, that you would rush in and you would rescue their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so, so much.